And we're off to the races. Welcome, folks, to episode number 32 of Our Kids Asleep. This is Jay Alejandro and... Maddie. How are you doing? Good. Good? Mm-hmm. We were talking about technique, getting to work on our microphone technique, making sure that things are going okay. Uh, we're trying a new setup, as we always tend to do, modifying and changing things up. But do you want to get started on a few things? We have two events, two things to talk about. Sure. What are they? You want to start with... Um. <laughs> let's let's go. Let's talk about Jojo Rabbit. Okay. What, do you, what did you think about this movie? We finally got to see a movie together, so let's yeah, start only, off with that. It's been like a year. A year? I don't even know. It's the last time we saw a movie together. Was it Mission Impossible? Probably. That sounds about right. The last time a Mission Impossible movie came out was the last time we went to the movies together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I saw the preview for Jojo Rabbit, I don't know, six months ago, uh-huh. and I thought it looked really great. Uh, it's Taika Waititi, Oops. and he's hysterical. I mean, if you've seen Thor Ragnarok, or There's Something in the Shadows, or is that what it's called? There's Something in the Shadows? That vampire yeah, show? Yeah. It was a movie, and then they made it into an Amazon Prime show absolutely um so he's like a big uh he was he worked with the flight of the concords didn't he well let's see what <laughs> i'm pretty sure what that's like his claim to fame yeah he's done a lot of a lot of good stuff but he's he's done a variety of things uh and i didn't know this about him just recently i found out he he won an an oscar for what? I thought he did. Well, it says he was nominated for an Academy Award for his 2004 short film, Two Cars, One Night. Mm. Uh, and he has produced several films. He's a filmmaker, actor, and comedian. Uh, he's done some painting, acting. He just does whatever the hell he wants. And he's a very hilarious, hilarious individual. What we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. What did you say? Um, something about the something shadows. About the shadows. <laughs> I don't know what I said. Uh, yeah, but um, so I, you know, I was familiar with his pr- a couple of his previous works, mm-hmm. um, and so Jojo. He, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to to make the inflammatory comment that he has made probably one of the only few good, truly unique, outstanding marvel movies yeah i'd agree but we're yeah. not marvel fans so yeah so we're Everybody we're definitely the wrong like, camp yeah the, i, the I liked it because it wasn't like a marvel movie yeah um but if you haven't seen it go watch thor ragnarok it's a lot of fun yeah um but jojo rabbit is um it's a story about a a young boy who is a member of the hitler youth and sort of at the tail end of world war Two, and he, you know, he's sort of a fanatic, <laughs> as 11-year-old boys go, uh, and a fanatic for Hitler. And he has an imaginary best friend who is Hitler. <laughs> and it's just Taika Waititi dressed as Hitler. <laughs> yeah. And in this sort of movie, I just wanted to point out, because I just realized this about a relationship, the way that we talk about things Um you you like to to give us the the order of events and kind of like the nuts and bolts of of what happened in in the movie and sort of like the the premise of it mm-hmm. and when i thought about the movie just now i was thinking about the thematic <laughs> like like uh, ethereal kind of thing and i was just like that's that's just a a really 
um, interesting thing. I guess mm. it's just the the way that we kind of balance each other out is mm. is because I was going to touch on um, the the notion that this story was able to balance something so horrific, something as god awful as the Hitler Youth, World War Two, horrible horrible things, and the humor of of the story. I mean, yeah. it was the most life-affirming thing. And seeing such a horrific event through a little boy's eyes, you know, and, and through, and, and sort of watching him learn, learn about his own humanity, essentially, yeah. and like discovering his own humanity through, through the lens of intolerance and bigotry, and then mm-hmm. realizing, so, should we tell like the thing with the girl? Is that like a big spoiler? I mean, I think that's a pretty. I, like... I don't believe so because it was in the trailer. So you're, okay. I think you're free so to the, comment on the that. The general premise is that this little boy, um, you know, lives. I didn't realize this in the movie, and I don't know if it was ever stated, but they live in Austria, and he, well, like I said, is part of the Hitler Youth, and he's very like involved, and he he and it, it's just him and his mother. And eventually he realizes that his mother is hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic. And he sort of struggles through the whole movie about what to do about the girl in the attic. And because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to get his mother in trouble, but he also feels this obligation to tell someone because he's been indoctrinated. Right. Um, And and that's a a great dilemma that he has because the household is, is pretty much torn apart. You know, there are two opposite ends of the spectrum. You have the mom who is less of a, a believer in this ideology. No, not at all. Not at all. And he is is very much trying to confirm his manhood or his adulthood, you know, like becoming an adult through this this process of becoming a Hitler youth. And in the middle of it, you have him talking to Adolf Hitler who is his imaginary friend and guiding him through a lot of these difficult situations and counseling him on what's right and wrong. And the playfulness of those scenes is so rewarding and so fun. Yeah. It's so interesting that there's like these really sweet moments because he's a little boy, you know, like he just, everything that he sees is, you just see, you're seeing it like you would, you know, as a child and it's, yeah. um, And it's complete innocence. It is, it is even in the middle of, of the horror of that goddamn awful situation. There's just such, there's a joy, there's an innate joy in being a child Mm -hmm. and it's, it's infectious. And I think we see it a lot, not just in the interactions that he has with Hitler of all people, but, with uh, his little friend, mm-hmm. what was his friend's name? I think his name was Yorgi or Yorki. Yorki. Yorgi. He's like this little boy. Oh my word! This little boy that they go to, they go to like this Hitler camp together for kids, and then you know they become friends. And there's just so many like golden moments in that movie between those two little boys. Like it's yeah, the most it, adorable thing. I I loved, and I I told you this out right after the movie finished. There's a moment where. You know, they're 10 years old. They're, they're just in between like little, 
I don't know, like they're teenagers like, and little boys. Yeah, you know? they're so right on the cusp yeah. of being a teenager. Yeah, and there's still that sweetness and and the protagonist, the the little boy, goes to hug his friend and. I just got this image like I can see my my young kid mm-hmm. doing that same thing, but it's so sweet because it's just like an honest little hug, mm-hmm. and they're just yeah, happy you know, to see each yeah, other. and they're shit blowing up, and <laughs> yeah. the conditions are so yeah. so dire and so horrific that uh, the juxtaposition of those things was just mm-hmm. so delightful. My I favorite thought. moment between the two of them is when his friend Yorgi is carrying that like huge cannon like the back of the cannon <laughs> yeah. and he sees his friend and he's like hey and he drops it and yeah. it just like explodes just shoots into a building yeah. oh my word yeah very it funny. was it was a lot of fun it and is, and it's just like it's it's so incredible to me to see like such a it's a horrific situation through the lens of absurdity right yeah. like well, it's framing everything like you know, as a kid would see it, which is like, this is insane. Like, what is happening? Well, it's it's magical realism, a lot of it, I think, and it's humor. Mm-hmm. It's, it is uh, like, a, it has a hint of a- absurdity, but uh, in, in what we were talking about the other day, too, about this movie was the fact that Taika Waititi does something that is very interesting, and I, I took this from what he said during his TED Talk, where he was talking about creativity this was like 10 years before he actually made the movie. But he said that the the best way to tackle these kinds of issues and to illustrate a lesson to people is is by providing entertainment, by providing that that comedy or that that levity so that you can really handle horrific, difficult issues. And that is the best kind of recipe to to show how horrific these things actually were. When you're 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 putting you know kind of side by side that innocence that that lightness that comedy of of being a kid and mm-hmm. this terrible thing it's it's the best kind of recipe to show people to get the point across how fucking ludicrous is this you know look at look at that poor little boy he was more concerned with saying hi to his friend than you know this this last uh, last stand in in Austria mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's so effective. Yeah. And I felt like that, that did so much to get the point across than most war movies. Yeah. I watched that. We watched that interview with Taika Waititi and Stephen Merchant, who is Stephen Merchant in the movie plays, um, the captain of the Gestapo. Yeah. And he's both hysterical and terrifying at the same time, which is so hard to do. Like, yeah. I don't. I'm still kind of floored by his performance. Yeah, and and can we talk for a moment about that scene well, and how it drives your yeah. point home? I'll let you. I'll let you lead on this. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say before that, um, that interview they did together, um, they were pretty much saying like, I don't know, the industry or people will say like, you're a comedian. Like, why are you like this? Doesn't belong to you. Like this this type of a story doesn't belong to you. It's too serious. Right. You don't have any business telling the story. And Taika Waititi and Stephen Merchant were like, no, like we have all the business in the world telling this story because we're the only ones who can do it in a way that is both serious and funny at the same time. Like we're yeah. the only ones who can bring that aspect of it to, to make it palatable enough that you can still 
you can still watch it without you know like it's to be refreshing to yeah. to show it in a new way like there's room in this keep- world for jojo rabbit and schindler's list there are room for both of those types of movies about these horrific situations yeah. and not one or the other is right or wrong yeah. And I did think, too, we, we found this kind of interesting that when we walked out of the theater, the two movies that were playing side by side was Jojo Rabbit and Midway. Yeah. Two completely different approaches to to the same the same uh, war. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just uh, emblematic of just how, how massive of a, of a thing it was that, you know, there's so many stories, so many perspectives, but uh, just... At the same time, I really prefer the Jojo Rabbit approach where it's not a glorification of, of violence. Yes, you can highlight and showcase the heroes and the acts that, that, you know, these, these selfless men and women had to, had to do in that war, but to illustrate the, the greater thematic idea of why war is hell and why, why this war and all wars are just well, in a movie, Pointless, in a movie in a like in a movie like Midway, well, I don't know. I haven't seen Midway. In a movie like Jojo Rabbit, you see the cost, not just in the death and and the battlefront, but you see it. You see what what this kind of conflict does on the home front. Mm-hmm. You know, this little boy did nothing to to deserve what happened to him. Yeah. You know, like it, he he was a casualty of war as much as those men on the front lines were casualties. Right. You know, like his youth was taken from him. His childhood was taken from him. You know. But you see it on a human scale, on a smaller scale, it all of the same kind of points are getting getting depicted, but it's just a a very intimate little thing that you're experiencing you made you know and again that's the victory of the movie is it takes something so massive and so horrific the scale of it and brings it down to Mm -hmm. this little interaction that you can actually consume that you can digest you can understand this is what happens Mm -hmm. to people not to countries not to regimes or whatever this is what happens to people right and it's also interesting to see the demographic of people who were coming out of both movies. (laughs) Who do you think was coming out of the Midway Theater? It was no one under the age of 60. It was a a different crowd. Definitely a different crowd. Um, Um, And it's, that just kind of shows, you know, those, those older generations, they lived through it. At least, you know, some of them were there. mm -hmm. Some of them were, well, I guess World War II, not many of them were there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they, they're, their parents were there you know they were children of the of the greatest generation and so of course that resonates with them maybe more than a satirical you know like a satire is it was it satire i i don't it didn't feel like a satire to me um because it it was never really i mean it was poking fun at hitler Mm -hmm. more than anything but to me, it, it almost felt more like, like a magical realism feel where it wasn't as um, rooted in, in something like, like... Like there were elements of, of this sort of imaginary child's world, but also like in amongst a really real, like a really... 
a very realistic setting. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It was like like almost a blend of of that magical realism satire and in like a deep deep sense of of reality. Mm-hmm. And I can't really place it, yeah. you know, like that was the cool thing about it is that it had little moments of of all of these all of these styles. Um but the the unifying factor was that it was rooted in the kid's point of view. Mm-hmm. It was rooted in his reality. And I think that reality of, of the childhood perspective allowed it to go a lot of different ways. Um, but Hitler for sure was definitely mm-hmm. a satirical yeah, 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 yeah. wild ass interpretation, yeah. which, you know, and again, Taika Waititi, not just directing the movie, but also acting in the thing. Mm-hmm. Well done, man. That was, was very funny. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I can't speak um highly enough about this movie mm-hmm. and the way it was it was put together. Um and I'm really kind of bummed out that he's making more Thor movies. I just want him to make more movies like mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit well, rather he's than He's going to make a lot of money so he can make more movies like Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, that's So fine. let him make the Marvel yeah. movies. And and we also talked about t- uh, about that too. Why do you think they let him make that movie? Why was Jojo Rabbit even made at all? Oh yeah. He's been trying to make that movie for like 10 years. Yeah, he's been trying to make that movie for a long time. And the only reason it happened was because he had this established mm-hmm. franchise that he took over and he revived it. He made it. Thor Thor um, Ragnarok is the best movie yeah. in the Thor series. In the Marvel series. <laughs> watch out now. Watch I out. I know, I know. Unpopular our three opinion. Li- our three listeners are going to be very, very upset with us. So, so be... Choose your words very, very carefully. Mm. <laughs> We've yet to watch Endgame because I can't bring myself to spend three yeah. hours. But you know, of my yeah. Time. But I think, and this is this is just us in our super high bar. We enjoyed Infinity War, did yeah. we not? I w- we, I was glad to see what happened. Yeah, it was yeah. my interest was peaked. I had to know how it ended, and then it didn't fucking end. <laughs> and we have another one that's Endgame, and that's not the fucking end either. It isn't? No. Uh, they're going to keep making them until fucking Kingdom Come. W- why did they call it Endgame? I don't know. It was supposed to be the They're end. still making them. The end of the game. Yeah, they even took that picture, that bullshit picture, after they finished it, where it was like, oh, this is the last time any of these actors are ever going to play these parts. But it's the end of lies. the phase. It's the oh, phase. Whatever. A Marvel throne of lies. But hey, worth a watch. It's uh, it's sugar for your eyeballs, and we kind of like that a lot of the time. I'm just being grumpy. I like it too. I know it's it's late. We're doing this on a weekday, you guys. Come on, give us a break. We have been trying to cram this shit in because <laughs> we are not going to stop publishing our podcasts. It's going to happen every two weeks, come hell or high water. We're going to make this happen, and this is a commitment from us to you, dear friends. We love you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being awesome. Are you ending it? No, we oh. needed to. <laughs> I was like, are we talking about we, something else? We needed to talk about. Um, what was the other thing we were going to talk Mike about? Mike Berbiglia's stand-up show or or hour of storytelling. Uh, what is the name of the? Of... It's called the new one. That's that's what it is. The mm-hmm, new one. The new one. Okay, I'm pretty sure. I can I would you like to start actually? No, I started. I, you start this one. Okay. I'm I'm not too familiar with Mike Berbiglia. I know of him. I from what you've told me, Maddie, he's 
he's done a lot of great improv in, in comedy and um, he's directed a lot. He's he's a great actor and uh, we really enjoyed his last movie that he did. Um, oh shit! What's that movie called? Don't the improv don't think movie. twice. Don't think twice. Don't think twice. Great movie. It was a great movie. Yeah, and getting to to get a proper introduction of who he is as a as a talent. Had you not seen his other specials? I had not seen his other oh, okay. specials. No, I thought you had for some reason. Watching that was was such a such a treat because I was expecting stand up. I was expecting mm-hmm. a, a. I kind of was too. I wasn't expecting like a one man show. And it, it did it did become a one man show. It was it was so surprising and so heartfelt that i i really enjoyed it quite a bit yeah and that's mainly because i came in with no real knowledge of what it was going to be but the way that um i think what i appreciated about that was he's a very funny guy he is hilarious but the jokes he wasn't setting up punchlines he wasn't he wasn't as interested in that as he is in telling the story Mm -hmm. And the way that he shared so much about who he is as a person, his life, um, his setbacks, his physical ailments, and all the shit in parenthood, mm-hmm. it was very emotional. It was a very beautiful, emotional mm-hmm. show. Uh, I really liked it a lot. Yeah, I did too. High bar for for what I'm looking for now in one-person shows. Yeah, I'd seen his other stuff, his, other, his previous specials. Um, and so I kind of knew maybe a little bit more than you did going into mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, um, I knew, I knew he had had a kid. And so I knew that was probably going to be a big part of what he talked about. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just thought it was, uh, very sweet and just really smart. And, um, because the jokes joyful, were joyful, like yeah. really joyful, despite the, you know, the apprehensions people feel about having kids and how terrifying that is before mm-hmm. you, you know, making that decision and then, you know, going through the the process of the of conception and pregnancy and then the baby's here and your life is just completely just fucking turned upside down and yeah everything you knew about the world is is just completely topsy-turvy um but at the same time just having this you know this little thing that you care endlessly about (laughs) even though it's ruined everything about your life that was that you thought was like the way you wanted your life and then the baby comes into it and you're like how did i ever want that life yeah but that's that's how it is you you get like Mm -hmm. Having a baby is a hammer to everything that you know to be true. Mm-hmm. It's just a complete, you know, shattering of what it is. But then you take the pieces that still work, the pieces that still that are still good, mm-hmm. and you form something completely different. And mm-hmm. and seeing that, you know, it, it was more of a tribute to his family, mm-hmm. which I really loved because he started with his relationship with his wife, mm-hmm. his partner, and you could feel the love you could feel his complete devotion to to his wife and then eventually that extends to to his child yeah and for somebody who'd never wanted a child it's just such a wonderful payoff to the whole thing that that's better than like any punchline that he had throughout the night even though he had a lot of really really good 
hysterical punchlines. In particular, the ones about his uh, sleep... Um, his sleep disorder. Sleep disorder. Holy mm. shit. That yeah. poor guy. Yeah, that's intense. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Mike Birbiglia has a... I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's a sleep disorder in which he... Um, he can be like, it's like extreme sleepwalking. Yeah. Like he can wake up well, be, be up in the middle of the night and not realize he's awake, but do crazy things like jump out of a second story window, yeah. which he did like a La Quinta <laughs> Inn or something. So he has to sleep in a locked sleeping bag. With gloves. With, glo- with mittens on so he <laughs> so, can't undo it. So he his, doesn't scratch himself. His, <laughs> his wife has to zip him in. <laughs> And then, yeah. I so love anyway, that bit he, where he was saying, how romantic is it that my wife is going to be zipping me up for the rest of my <laughs> life? And he was just like, okay, getting ready. Yeah. Oh, my word. Yeah, it's very so funny. Good. Um, so, yeah, it was a very good, very sweet. And uh, that, that bit where he was he was talking about how, like, there was a a story of somebody with that same disorder who like uh, drop kicked their baby. Cause they thought it was a Jesus football. Christ. You're like, Oh his God. Doctor, he was, he asked his doctor, like how, how am I supposed to deal with this with a child? And yeah. he was like, um, it's not going to be easy. And he told him that story. I knew right. a guy who had a patient who drop like, kicked his why, baby. Why in the hell would you tell me that? Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> There's no need for that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I liked it a lot. It was it was a very good. Uh, so that was like I know we're supposed to only be talking about one, That's but okay. I've watched a string of specials lately. Yeah, I'll just I'll summarize quickly. I so I watched that one with you. I watched um, Tiffany Haddish's new one called mm-hmm. Black Mitzvah. It was pretty good. I'm not. Yeah. I don't know much about her. I didn't haven't ever seen her stand up. I've seen her in movies. They give her a lot of shit. They they give her a lot of grief because a lot of folks say that she's not proper stand up comedy. Like she kind of found another way in. Mm. I'm not sure what her story is, but but mm-hmm. on Twitter that seems mm-hmm. to be a, a recurring story. That um, I thought she was very funny. Um, I thought she had interesting stories to tell. She has a really interesting like life story mm. and. Um, it's called Black Mitzvah because her dad is a Eritrean Jew, and so she's half Jewish, and she kind of talked about like what it's like to be black and Jewish and like how weird that is, yeah. and um, at least she's from comp like she's from like South LA, so she's from like the hood, uh-huh. and she's you know she's like being Jewish in the hood is not like people don't know what to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> and um so she had like I thought she had really good stories to tell and like I don't know I thought it I thought it was good. It wasn't like the best stand up special I've ever seen but I was glad I watched it. But you're you're interested in her as a person so yeah. the the content was yeah. was worth it. It yeah. was worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, so I watched that one it was I recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um I watched Elijah her name is absurd. Schles- Eliza. Eliza. Schlesinger or Schlesinger. I don't know what it is, but her new special is called Unveiled. Um, I watched that one. I think she is not for everyone. She's, that? I don't know. She's super goofy and I like that. Mm. She does like a lot of physical comedy and like uh, a lot of voices and I don't know. She's, I've watched a lot of her specials over the years and Okay. I, I gotta I gotta tell you this then on a scale of like zero, like normal, to um 
Maria Bamford, like how batshit mm, crazy. She's closer to Bamford than okay. Zero. Um, she's I'm somewhere. Down with that. She's somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, but I really did like the special. She talks a lot about just marriage and like the fucked up shit that goes along with getting married and like mm. you know feminism. She talks a little bit about Me Too, and so there's a lot of like topical stuff in there. Yeah, feminism and stuff. Um, and I did, I did really like it. There were some really funny moments. Um. What else did I watch? I watched Seth Meyers' stand-up special, which mm. is pretty new. It's called Lobby Baby. Uh, he talks a lot about um, becoming a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, his second baby was born in the lobby of their apartment building, so that's a funny <laughs> story. Um, and their first baby was almost born in an Uber. Wow. Like, his wife has a history yeah. of... And just kind nearly of, giving hey, birth it's, it's and gonna not happen a wherever yeah. it's gonna happen yeah um he it's funny because i know a lot of people know him as like a late night host yeah and i kind of always forget he's a late night host because i don't watch late night tv yeah and i know him from snl like he's an snl he's weekend update mm-hmm. he's a writer that's how i know him so to see his audience be largely people over 50 i was like what it's kind like, of interesting. These people yeah. are watching. I was like, oh no, these are his late night fans. But then again, when was he on Saturday Night Live? You're already talking about 15, 20 years it ago. Was like 10 so, years ago. Yeah. People who, who would have been in their 30s or late yeah. 20s at that time would have just kind of grown up with him and followed him. Yeah. Much like what we did with Conan, because we were mm-hmm. watching him from yeah. Jesus, like early 2000s yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on yeah. to now. So that was kind of funny, but his special is very good. Um, it's written like it's it's written like he's a late night host. Like, like he knows how to fucking there rock. Are he's lines, gonna get you Yeah, punchlines like he's every other Yeah, every yeah. other every other line is a bit is a mm-hmm. punchline. Um which is very good. Um Yeah, so I watched quite a few lately. There's some yeah. good ones out there. That's that is some good stuff. Uh I thought you'd be proud of me, at least on my end. I'm I'm watching a lot not watching anything because I, I really, there's very little time for me to like sit down and, and watch stuff. But how, what have we been up to that, that you've been watching some? That- well, one day I stayed home la- 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 oh, last yeah, yeah, yeah. before yeah. I stayed home. So I watched <laughs> Tiffany Haddish <laughs> yes. and then I watched, when did I watch Eliza's? No, I think that's what it is. You know, it's either a combination of you taking some days, you know, like personal yeah. days and also me falling asleep at like seven o'clock in the evening yeah that might have been what happened one night or you were working down here like like editing or something and yeah i was like i'm gonna watch what i want to (laughs) watch i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch paw patrol (laughs) it's time yeah yeah um and then i've just been re-watching schitt's creek because i have a problem yeah we we are going all out on schitt's creek and the withdrawal is so real and we have like upsetting we have like four weeks until the last season starts yeah we are on a countdown mode you gotta work on finding a alternative yeah we'll we'll see what we need to do but we cannot miss it for the world we will not miss it yeah Ew, David. It would be an ew, David moment if we didn't get to see that show. I didn't realize. I I didn't realize the magnitude of that show until I went on Twitter and I typed in ew, David. Ooh, god! Like, and then Instagram, like, it's just it's flooded. Yeah, it's completely. People are obsessed. Yeah, with good reason. Uh, It's it's a wonderful show. Yeah, 
it it's, just was so like unassuming. I never realized. <laughs> and well, and I'm I'm think I I was kind of getting the impression that it's been like people underestimated people underestimated it because mm-hmm. now that it's it's coming to its close, like all yeah. the awards are getting thrown at it, and yeah, people are like, "Go back finally!" But go back to to our review of it. You know, we watched the first couple of episodes, and we we're like, you know, it's a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay. Um, but it took some time for it to, Mm -hmm. to warm up to, um, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting Mm -hmm. show in the beginning and and now we're just, yeah, on rerun mode. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I am going to get you that shirt. Maddie's favorite shirt is, uh, David's don't shirt. (laughs) It just says don't. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. Mine is nonchalance. It's so good. Yeah. He's very stylish, man. It's, I love him. It's wonderful. You know, it's funny. I I listened to an interview with Dan Levy, who plays David, and he's also a co-creator and writer. And he he's actually like a lot of that the clothes in the show are his clothes. Like <laughs> he mm-hmm. he has like or like there'll be like specific pieces that he wants in the show for David to wear. Mm. And so he'll like seek out the designer. And like try to like make connections to get that piece of clothing into the into, into the, the show. show, yeah. Um, and like like that, you know, the episode where he runs away, and then they find him with the Amish people. <laughs> He's wearing that hoodie that has like a mohawk on it. Mm-hmm. That's like an eight hundred dollar hoodie. Jesus, it's from like some German designer, and he like he's like it took me so long to track down that specific hoodie. When I finally found it, I was like, he was like ecstatic that he like David would get to wear it in, in oh, the I show. Bet. I bet it's good for the uh, for the designers as well. I don't know where mm-hmm. the hell they put up a fight. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, um, but that's what I've been watching. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, no. What was I going to say? Uh, it's so whimsical. Whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> Moira is our spirit animal, and we are going to toast our Lord and Savior. <laughs> Our Lord and Savior, Moira Rose. We're going to toast to Schitt's Creek. We're going to toast to Jojo Rabbit. And we're going to toast to Mike Birbiglia's latest stand-up special. And I think with that, we're going to call it. What do you think? Yep. It's a weeknight. We got we got shit to do. But let's do this on a weekend so that we can ramble on a little bit longer. Yeah, that's a good idea. I love podcasting. And, you know, the furnace is back on, so it's it's probably time to call it quits. I think the furnace should just be a character from now on because it's always present. Yeah. Furnace hates Shit's Creek. <laughs> How dare you? I talk to Furnace every night. Oscar every night. should be a character, too, because he's always interrupting. Oscar always fucks things up. He fucks up my other podcast, too, so mm-hmm. he's... He's just a regular. I love now. listening to yeah. that podcast because without a fail, there's always like, damn He's it, always, Oscar. Yeah. Stop ruining everything. That episode where he was just like, meow, meow, meow. Yeah. yeah. I was like, and oh I, my God. I told you I had to cut like five minutes yeah. from it because he was meowing nonstop. And, and <laughs> Did you ever figure out why he was, what he no was No idea. He saw a goddamn ghost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's probably He exactly saw what my happened. twin that died in the womb <laughs> and he knows that, you know, he's finally home. So. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that later. So, thank you, folks. Uh, anything else you wanna you wanna add, Matt? Uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Por favor. Um, and then email us at ourkidsasleep at gmail Suggestions, comments, stories, fucking 
I don't know. Whatever you want to tell us. We just want something in the inbox. I that's, would like that's to get something that is not a YouTube ad. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. So, time to sign off. Have a wonderful evening, folks. Good night, Oscar.